Good morning, everybody. This is Barry Feeker with the Topeka Rescue Mission. You're listening to our community, our mission on Tuesday, June the 14th of 2022. Good morning, LaManda Broyles and Miriam Crable. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. It's hot in Topeka, Kansas. Well, it's hot, but you know... It's hot. It is hot. It is hot. It's just hot. Now, you just guys just came back from another fairly warm part of the country uh, down in Texas. Oh, my goodness. It It was down there. It was hot and it was humid. Yes. Humid. Humid. San Antonio. But I hear it's good for your skin. Uh, Okay. Probably so. so. It was not for my hair. No, she all came back. (laughs) Yes, we did. So, what were you doing in San Antonio, Texas? So, this was the annual CityGate conference. So, where. rescue missions and others from across the nation and frankly across the globe because we had somebody there from Scotland some people from Canada yes are all there to kind of come together and Mm -hmm. learn together and um just kind of share what we go through all go through some of our some of our challenges but also some education opportunities pretty uh, pretty cool to see what was there uh, 1200 1500 yes. or so mm-hmm. people from all over the place who do rescue mission work and mm-hmm. and uh, have that annual meeting and so yeah Lamanda you got a chance to present on several occasions there yes. uh, being the newest director <laughs> in the whole wide yes. world right right so how did that go for you um, it went really well you know I um, loved being able to talk about what God is doing um, in our community, um, how his hand has been on our succession plan, Barry, and um, just really giving him glory and talking about what the team here is doing, not just TRM staff, but also um, just how we're, we're breaking through barriers by um, having, you know, the um, religious sector being able to work with governmental officials and TPD and just really being able to highlight how we're all working together to have the greater good of our community. And that got a lot of um, attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and several of my sessions sessions. And so, um, you and I were, um, scheduled to present. Mm-hmm. And so that was neat to be able to. We're scheduled to present. <laughs> we're scheduled. I had to head to a different part of the country, um, back Virginia. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because, uh, God still worked it out and, and I presented on just how our story has unfolded. Um, and what that looked like, um, where I'm just continuing to carry the torch that you did for 36 years. And so that was special. Um, I'm also helping with the emerging leaders group. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyone that is 39 years or younger, um, (laughs) I just had to throw that in there a little bit. We don't even want to be that age anymore. No, no, I didn't know anything then. Um, (laughs) but we had several sessions on that and, and, you know, my heart on that is, um, that, those of us who are the new emerging leaders really have humble hearts, you know, coming in, yes, with fresh ideas and, and excitement, but then also really respecting and appreciating everything that's been done before us mm-hmm. um, because we don't know everything um, and we need to, to adhere to that wisdom. So it was a great time. Yeah. Well, that just, I heard some great, uh, great reports on it. And what we want to do in a future podcast is really unpack what you learned down there. Yes. But one of the things, Miriam, that you get a chance to do is sit down with officials from HUD. Yes. And uh, we want to talk about that um, in more depth. But also last week, we had the regional director of HUD that came to Topeka and uh, visited with a housing group, came to the rescue mission, spent time here, and then visited with the mayor, I believe, afterwards. And so um, some good connections there because, again, Lamanda, you mentioned about um, at CityGate there was this – this faith and government coming mm-hmm. together to address yes. this issue of the homeless crisis mm-hmm. in America. Miriam, just real quick for a future podcast, sure. what, what, 
What was that like, and and what did you take away from that meeting? You had about three hours with HUD, I think. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. spent a long time with HUD. You know, I think, Barry, the biggest takeaway was there is opportunity to work with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think sometimes we wonder if we will have to compromise our values or compromise how we do our work if we're working with the federal government. And I walked away from there knowing that that's absolutely not the case, that there is great opportunity to work with them. And frankly, they were really impressed um, with things going on in Topeka, whether it's mobile Mm -hmm. access partnership, whether it's our collaborations with different organizations like the sheriff or TPD or other Mm -hmm. organizations. They were just really very impressed with that and want to have more conversation. So for being what in many regards is a small mission, Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of opportunity to help others around the country and um, in other parts of the world even figure out how to collaborate more effectively. I think what people are finding out about, you know, it's not about programs, it's not about money, it's mm-hmm. about relationships. And uh, mm-hmm. speaking of relationships, uh, our guest today is a good friend and uh, a great community leader. And I want to jump right into that. Um, someone who's had a expansive experience in law enforcement, uh, both with the Topeka Police Department that I know about and and also the uh, Shawnee County Sheriff's Department. And so uh, we're blessed this morning to have the Sheriff of Shawnee County, Brian Hill, with us. Good morning, Sheriff. Hello, good morning. Thank you for coming uh, on our community, our mission. Sheriff, um, how long have you been the Sheriff? And uh, then I want to back that up. When did you get in law enforcement to start? Um, I first got in law enforcement in 1991. Uh, mm-hmm. I got done playing college ball, and I had some friends that were in corrections up here, and I came up here and applied for the um, police department and got hired and um, pretty much right from the start I was in a lot of the exciting things in law enforcement you know from the the street crime action team to the narcotics um, uh, doing a lot of the, the SWAT tactics firearms instructor all the things that a, a young man would probably mm-hmm. would think it was exciting actually yeah where'd you play ball uh, at McPherson College okay yeah. all right yeah. so um, <clears throat> You got very immersed in law enforcement uh, with the police department. And uh, at one point, I believe, in, in our conversation, you had uh, worked with some of the homeless um, out, of, out of the streets and doing some undercover work. Um, yes, I actually did. Um, we had was actually working a, a homicide case where an individual was found uh, deceased along the river, had been murdered. Um, we suspected a lot of the homeless people having information on that, and we'd hit a, a brick wall with our officers trying to interface with people. Um, a lot of mistrust uh, toward the police from the homeless community. Um, so the homicide unit went undercover, and we went down and lived uh, and interfaced with people along the river for about a week. So you actually <clears throat> got to experience uh, what was going on in their in their realm by actually um, um, I guess what you'd say is uh, um, uh, pretending you were homeless at that point. Uh, that's yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. To, to develop that relationship and that crime was solved. It was solved. Yes. Yeah, because of that uh, ac- action, which yeah. has been a lot of national media attention on that. And there's a book that was written by a professor out of uh, Notre Dame on that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know that uh, he really covered our undercover. Uh, mm-hmm operation that we did because a lot of that wasn't really publicized sure. uh, sure. a little bit of it come out in court but uh it was pretty eye-opening to see what was going on within the there is kind of a structure of, of how people live whether mm-hmm. they're in society homeless whatever that is and uh 
you know, met a lot of good people that was down on their luck, and I met some people that had some mental issues, and I, we got to see what was behind that curtain. Absolutely. Yeah, you really do when you get into that <clears throat> that realm of it. It's one thing to answer a call when there's a disturbance and somebody's not doing what they need to be doing, and it gets into um, conflict and sometimes arrest and those kind of things, but uh, you, you get a chance to see the, the, the other side of this. And that's kind of one of the things that the rescue mission does with our staff is we deal with those conflicts that people go through when they're in desperate situations, but also we get to see the human side of that as well. Well, Sheriff, you, um, you, um, how many years on TPD? Um, I retired with uh, going into 28 years. 28 years. And you had a very um, kind of what most people would say a, a scary experience that uh, stopped your career at TPD, and and uh, and it was uh, in the newspapers. And uh, talk about that that event. Um, well, I walked up on an individual that was a suspicious person that I was just trying to talk to. Uh, there had been an armed robbery, and we in law enforcement interface with people daily. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if you're not the guy, hey, have you seen the guy? You know, so <laughs> <laughs> so we so we try to talk to people. Uh, and, and be friendly, and but you're discerning, is this person a threat the whole time? Um, this individual did not give an indication like that. I've talked, I've walked up on literally thousands of people and talked, and that assessment, um, this guy walked out in the middle of the road, um, acted like he was going to talk to me, and next thing I know, I had four rounds pumped into me. Four rounds Goodness. shot four times. Yes. Yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> what happened? Um you know what, you just revert back to your training, and I'd had years of stuff, and, you know, I was able to react and uh, return fire, um, stopping that encounter. Um, you know, he lived, uh, I lived. Um, you know, people have asked me, you know, how you feel about him living. Um, that, that's in God's hands. All I wanted him to do was quit shooting Quit me. shooting you. <laughs> and, uh, sure. Yeah, and, and he, he got convicted of that, and... You know, that was a long, hard recovery back. At, uh, mm. It kind of ended my career at TPD because I wasn't real sure I was going to recover. I had multiple surgeries. It was mm. over a year coming back from that. And, and um, you know, God blessed me enough to get well. And um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Sheriff, how, how do you train for getting shot? Um, you know what? Honestly, a lot of the training that you need to do is the extensive force-on-force training um, we can sit here and I could tell you all day long what to do, but until I put you into numerous encounters where mm-hmm. you're having to react and it's almost muscle memory, mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, you know, coming up from the athletic world, that was easy for me to integrate that into a lot of the police training because mm-hmm. the muscle right. memory and things that are there. So I had literally been through thousands of use of force scenarios, force on force, where you were ambushed and you had to move, react and fire, move, react, we fire. Um, I don't even know if there was a thought in my head. Uh, I just reacted to what that training uh, had right. done for me mm-hmm. all those years. Amazing. Well, that, that was um, obviously a, a, an amazing experience, a life-changing experience for you, your family, uh, all of your friends. I, I know that uh, uh, prior to me hearing about that piece, I've always heard about um, just the stellar um, law enforcement officer that you were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could have ended everything. Uh, your career, uh, you could have put it down, say, well, I did my job, you know, and uh, now it's time to go uh, do whatever you like to do. Uh, but uh, you decided to um, continue it on with Shawnee County. 
Um, yeah, I did. I, you know, I, I started getting well, started getting stronger. And, you know, as all retired men figure out when they retire, um, my wife was really working me. <laughs> I had my no list idea my how list many has jobs increased. I had to do. So I said, I'm going to have to get a job to get some rest here. So, uh, and in all seriousness, I, I wasn't ready to retire. Right. And so I wanted to get back into law enforcement. And I did uh, a year over uh, at 501 doing school mm-hmm. resource, just taking right. a job so I could get back into it. And, yeah. and uh, it, that was a... A good experience as well. What's what's been the uh, the, the, the biggest uh, eye opener from uh, being uh, very involved in multiple aspects of law enforcement with TPD, and then being the guy uh, who's in charge of this law enforcement agency? Um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really kind of proud of here is is our interface and interaction that we have with the Topeka Police Department, mm-hmm. and also with the District Attorney's Office. Yes. Um, I, th- I think it's kind of unprecedented what we have going on here. Yes. Uh, I think our crime stats in this community are, are starting to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's always things that we can do better. But for years, um, PD and the sheriff's office, they were kind of two separate entities. We would work together at times, but we never really interfaced, uh, especially to the levels that we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is remarkable. Uh, I, I um had uh, a chance for a while to talk to different law enforcement agencies in Kansas and some other parts of the country about human trafficking. And so I was looking at the Topeka model and seeing how you were working with the chief and how the district attorney was involved in this. And, uh, and prior to uh, Mike K. Gage had Taylor working with him and, and how that was, how that was working very well. And then was hearing all the horror stories about how law enforcement agencies don't work very well together. I'm going, why don't you guys do what Topeka does? Mm -hmm. And there was all kinds of issues that they would bring up saying this won't work here because it was about relationships. And you guys have really worked very diligently to keep those relationships healthy. Yeah, and and honestly, uh, over the years, I will tell you, it's not the street cops that are not getting along. Right. Um, It's usually up in the management for whatever um, trying to mitigate liability for their own agency. Um, you know, when I become sheriff, first thing I did was go over and meet with Chief Cochran mm-hmm. um, and Chief Wheelis when he took over and continued that. But, uh, you know, we all work together in the same county. Um, it's one team, one fight. That's where that sporting uh, side of me comes out. You know, <laughs> we, if we have the same goal and objectives, uh, we can work out a way in which we can work together to, to achieve those. And you've been on the streets. You've been the street cop. You've been undercover. You've done all of those things, which I think probably for that law enforcement officer who's on the streets, looking at you as a leader, knowing you've been there, you know what it's like, makes a huge difference. Well, yeah. And one of the main things I want to do when I did become sheriff was make sure that I gave uh, the men and women working for the sheriff's office uh, the training and the equipment that they need to um, achieve what we're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a volatile job in yes. today's society. So First-hand uh, experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, we uh, uh, when we were working on Freedom Now, uh, combating human trafficking, I was doing a lot of education uh, to a lot of people who um, – had a little bit of knowledge of human trafficking. Uh, we learned a lot because of our experience here. And so I just had a lot of folks in my office that just were like, wow, had no idea. And so that really helped us move forward. You were the exception 
when you came in and I sat, we were sitting down in that office, that distribution center, and I'm unpacking all this to you. It wasn't too long in our conversation. I go, I'm talking to a guy that needs to be teaching me. <laughs> you know, knew way more about this than I even did. And that was a, a, an exception, even in law enforcement. Talk about the, the, I know that, that there is a um, uh, head law enforcement agency in Shawnee County, a uh, coalition of you all uh, that launched out here a while back. Uh, Kirk Thompson with the KBI is involved now. Uh, you're involved with the other um, heads of uh, or other Shawnee County um, law enforcement agencies, Mike Kage. What, what is it that, that you think is the uh, magnitude or the issue of trafficking within our area? Um. It's always been a problem. I think it's increasing, you know, and, and the problem of investigating human trafficking is most law enforcement agencies are not set up to deal with long-term care of uh, the individuals that are victimized that we're getting out of that trafficking ground. Right. And we're looking for civilian uh, people who are honestly financing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a law enforcement officer, you're looking to make a criminal case. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I had to really, uh, soul search when we get into these, because what's your goal here? My first goal is to make sure that these people are safe and I get them out of that environment. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to put them back into that just to make that criminal case. So I want to use the information that they can give me and try to make those cases, uh, without putting them back into an undercover capacity or anything like that, that might endanger them. So trying to get them removed. Oftentimes you're talking drug addiction, um, maybe some mental disorders. And, yes. and uh, you know, I've talked to hundreds of, of these women coming out of there, and their self-esteem is so low, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it is just heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. And, you're, you know, you're talking about people who were achievers in high school, then yes. something happened in their life, a drug addiction, and the next thing you know, people are taking advantage mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, and it's just sad. Um, so getting them out and then looking at now who's doing this. Now how can I make that criminal case? Those cases aren't easy to make. So mm-hmm. oftentimes those guys um, are peddling the narcotics, giving it to the girls. So you'll see uh, agencies that'll put narcotics cases on that. And when it hits the media, it's not the human trafficking case, but it is the human trafficker. Right. So right. Um, my thought was always, I will arrest that person for whatever crime they're doing just to get them off street, mm-hmm. uh, get them out of these uh, people's lives and try to help as many people as we can. Yes. So yeah. It's one of the hardest things that we've ever really tried to deal with to try to help that person to come out of that unless we have something better for them that replaces what that trafficker was providing for them, which was very dysfunctional. But sometimes it's that uh, whole thing of they're vulnerable enough, they need a place to live, they need something to eat. They just need to survive. And so um, the traffickers have a real advantage on any vulnerability that's in our community. They do. And, and they troll places. They troll places like this. Uh, we know that. Mm, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's really what kind of brought to our attention when we learned that. We said, no, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah. So we've got to do something proactive. Sheriff, what are your, your, um, your bigger concerns about community safety in, uh, in Shawnee County or maybe the whole nation at this point? Um, you know, right now I think the – the top concern, um, the narcotics that's flooding our, our nation. You know, our agency sees close to a hundred pounds of meth, uh, last year, man, that's unprecedented amount of narcotics. We used to, I did narcotics and did huge investigations and we were lucky to get 10, 20 pounds in a year working big scale. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 
you do a car stop, you might get an ounce if that was a really good car stop on a case. But, you know, we got guys knocking pounds off on car stops. Mm. They are flooding our country with narcotics, and then they're inundating every drug with fentanyl. Fentanyl. It's cheap. It's uh, easy for them to do, but they do not mix that to um, any precise measures. So you might, some of these pressed pills, you might take and it's 1% fentanyl, and the next pill you pop is 99% fentanyl, and then that guy's overdosing. What's what's the purpose of putting fentanyl in it? I think it's just a cheap high, and they can replace some of the drugs, and it's... um, quickly addictive and it, so they absolutely. got a customer now that's going to keep coming back and yep and uh well if you don't die if you don't mm-hmm. die mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah we've yeah. been reading about that <clears throat> yeah so where's this coming from um i've recently visited the southern border uh with some sheriffs to see uh, honestly for the intel of what was coming at us here and it appears to be a large portion of these narcotics are coming over the southern border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they're bringing it in. And, I mean, you know, it's hard to win a battle when they're bringing it in by the ton and you're taking it off by right. the ounce. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Why do you think, obviously, we know for the supplier it's about money. Right. Um, for the increase in the use of these narcotics, in your estimation from your viewpoint, why are people using this method of, of uh, whatever we want to call it, drug issues or drug use, why, why is this increasing? Uh, you know, I think it's a multitude of reasons. You know, um, one of the things that shocked me, we keep the stats on the ages of the people we arrest for the narcotics arrest. The young people have consistently stayed about the same um, for the last 10 years. It is the older people that have increased with the mm. methamphetamine usage from, from the late 20s on up. Um, and I don't know if I have a good reason for that. I don't know if uh, this COVID lockdown, I know that our uh, we've had way more suicide calls, mm-hmm. attempted suicide calls since this lockdown. I think, you know, the, the lack of human contact, the yes. people feeling uh, despair, uh, out of work, um, I think they're self-medicating with whatever they can put their hands on, but I think it's a multitude of reasons as to why. It's it's uh, it's amazing, um, I think, to me, even though I've been working with street populations for a long time, how easy it is to get connected with drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it just can happen within a few hours if you know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. And apparently even middle-class and upper-class folks are f- figuring that out now. Mm-hmm. of where to go to, to get those, those, uh, those drugs. Um, you know, with this older population you mentioned, uh, we're seeing the same thing with the homeless. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're calling it the graying homeless now. It's um, uh, homeless uh, 65 and older um, are predicted to triple by 2030. Uh, what we're seeing at the mission is uh, a lot more disability, uh, people who uh, need to be in nursing care. And, of course, there's a lot of pain that goes along with all that. One of the reasons that uh, there's an increase in the uh, older homeless is they have no savings. And uh, so uh, many of them are not healthy, Social Security disability, doesn't take care of it all. And so uh, you can imagine as people are struggling and they can find cheap drugs that they're going to do that Mm -hmm. to, to alleviate their pain, at least for that moment, which may take their life. Sheriff, uh, what we're talking recession 
right now. We're talking, uh, we, we came off of a pandemic where there was uh, an increase in homelessness, an increase in hunger. Uh, from what I understand, there wasn't a appreciable increase in crime here, but now we're seeing an uptick in the country. We're seeing the crazy, crazy thing we were talking about before we started here about these uh, people going into a school and shooting vulnerable children. From your um, view, um, knowing that law enforcement can't fix this problem, what do we do as a nation? And what do we do more specifically in Topeka Shawnee County? You know, as a nation, people are going to have to, this is my personal view, but I, I think as a nation we need to turn to God for all things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we're fortunate where we live here in Shawnee County, here in the Midwest, yeah. um, that people are still reasonable enough to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, uh, they might have divided opinions, but we still communicate and come to resolutions. Um, it's just been my experience sitting around and waiting on the government to solve your problems. Good luck with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but yep. when people get together, we can solve our problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the you brought up the school shooting. Um, you know, what a horrific act, mm-hmm. you know. And I've been part of that SWAT training for years and the response, uh, what do you do? You know, there was a time when I first got on that, you know, they would say, you know, wait at that door, get so many people, um, and then respond because they were teaching SWAT tactics and they'd never really had a school shooting. So mm-hmm. they were integrating SWAT tactics with that and then Columbine come out. Uh, and I went to multiple training courses after that, and Columbine brought to light that you you go, no matter what, you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to go and respond. Um, the guy that attacked that elementary school, that's kind of unprecedented. You know, we've seen the high schools where the, the bullied kid or the disenfranchised kid yeah. would come in and take retribution in his mind on things or – um, but to seriously just walk into a grade school and kill a bunch of innocent children, that, that's just evil, mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and the mindset that, I mean, so what can we do to upgrade security? Um, you know, um, we're working this summer uh, here in Shawnee County. I know the TPD and the sheriff's office, they have SROs in schools, mm-hmm. uh, and we work, but I'm putting a lot of effort in upgrading and, trying to meet with the schools this summer. We're going to have a realistic conversation on what we can do to upgrade security. And what can I do as a sheriff of Shawnee County to upgrade my deputy's response? Mm-hmm. Well, that's equipment. That's mm-hmm. things that might give that officer a chance to survive that encounter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you hear people talk about the fatal funnel. You know, I've been through more than 2,000 doors doing narcotics raids and high-risk entries from SWAT to narcotics. And um, that's that's a volatile situation yeah. when you're mm-hmm. making entry in like that. And if somebody's really standing here on this side of the door with a gun, and I know you're coming through there, um, your chances of surviving coming through that door are greatly diminished. Mm-hmm. And we wear vests, but there's ballistics uh out there that would zip right through this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, upgraded armor for our people to, to throw on, um, shields, uh, tactical things, uh, training. You know, you know, SWAT tactical training for your SROs, mm-hmm. uh, giving them the equipment and the training uh, to respond in those, and a lot of agencies do, And it, but you can always do better. 
Mm-hmm. So you, you keep upgrading those. And then you, oftentimes you're down to logistics of, okay, I gave this guy all this stuff. He can't walk around the school packing a shield on his back and <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's, you know, a superhero. <laughs> so, so what do you do that and how do you make that accessible? Mm-hmm. And how do you integrate that within the schools? You know, um, Lamanda, you're a former principal of two mm-hmm. schools. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, what is, you know, we haven't talked about this much, uh, cause you've been out of town, yes. but, uh, w- when you see this and you were in some difficult situations, mm-hmm. even at Topeka, mm-hmm. nothing like this, fortunately, but, right. uh, what are your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, I just think that, uh, my heart breaks because I've, I've been a teacher. Um, I've had paraprofessionals in my room because of my special education background and then being an assistant principal and a principal. And so I think that um, it, I'm still processing it, but part of it was just because I can't imagine what those positions felt like when this happened in that, that school building. And so because I've walked that. And, you know, I used to joke all the time as a principal that I had two biological children and 510 by choice. Um, but I meant that those kids were under my care. They were away from their parents or grandparents or whoever they were in care of. Um, and I was responsible for them. And I didn't take that lightly. Um, so I think, first of all, just heartbreaking. Second of all, um, I also just want there to be such a covering for all of those people to um, that survived because I can't imagine uh, the, the courage and bravery that they're going to have to have every day now to go and do what should be normal to them. Mm-hmm. Those teachers, the principals, the, the children, parents, um, they shouldn't have to relive something so traumatic just in order to live what should be ordinary. Um, and so that that's hard. Um, the professional thinking of me, I always go to um, wanting the security, absolutely, but then also not wanting it to feel like prison mm-hmm. or wanting it to feel so security-based, too, that kids weren't feeling like it was school. Um, and when I was in Oakland, that that was a challenge. Um, you know, we had a, a lot of parents that had um, very uh, extreme backgrounds, and um, I still allowed them to come to school. And that was kind of a choice I had to make because I also wanted them to be involved in their children's lives. But then you also weigh the options of, is this a safety issue? Is it not? And so um, it's just a hard, hard balance when you are wanting to keep the innocence of children, but then the security as well. Um, and then just the horrificness um, of it. And, and what those people are now experiencing. Uh, and and it, it, it is complicated. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to be facing hard now. Mm-hmm. And we really do. And as a sheriff, um, what can the citizens of the Shawnee County do to assist your efforts um, with your department, all the efforts of law enforcement, to help us be a safer, and as Lamanda's kind of pointed out, so that we don't feel like we're in prison, mm-hmm. but that uh, we have this opportunity to, there's an old old uh, saying, do we create uh, a fence or do we build ambulances? Um, if, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people don't want a fence, they want restriction, but if they get too close to the danger, we got to get an ambulance. And so how do we get that balance between... Mm-hmm. Uh, losing our civil liberties, our freedoms, and being safe. What can we do as citizens? What can the rescue mission do uh, with its voice, with multiple volunteers and contributors do to support your efforts? 
I think people need to get involved and voice their opinions. Mm -hmm. It's like these schools. Um, you got a school board that's elected, mm -hmm. usually of parents that live in that district. What is a reasonable um, assessment that you would like to see in that school? Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of issues, some of it, I, I hate to say, some of it just turns on money. Because you could do an awful lot with an upgraded camera system, and a lot of schools have really good mm -hmm. camera systems. Who's monitoring those? Right. And from where, you know, strategic locations to mm -hmm. monitor those so you can respond. You could have everything in that security office. It's mm -hmm. not out being intrusive. Uh, um, like you say, making people feel mm -hmm. like a, they're in a prison. Mm -hmm. um, so secure that school. Mm -hmm. Now, each school is going to be different. I know there are schools right. within the city that – um, it's not a building. It's multiple buildings, and mm -hmm. the kids are walking from building to building. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about securing that campus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it might take a few more people in strategic locations that could respond. Mm -hmm. um, and we in law enforcement, we really want to interface with kids. You know, my wife and oldest daughter are teachers. I actually went through to be a school teacher when I went to college. Mm -hmm. I, why I went into law enforcement, <laughs> I don't you're but, a teacher with a gun. Uh, yes. right. <laughs> so, and, and all these years I've run Rex and coach teams. So mm -hmm. I really like the relationship and I don't want people to see me as, oh, here comes a scary guy with a gun. Right. Hey, mm -hmm. there's Sheriff Hill. He taught me uh, how to help me with my jump shot. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm just a person like you. I raised my children here. And, yeah. and so you want people to see you like that. Oftentimes in these school settings with our SROs, they almost turn into Paris. Yes. They use them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we need to have a realistic conversation. What do we really want these people to do? Mm -hmm. uh, I know you're short staffed there and we want to help, but this guy's primary duty has got to be to make sure everybody's safe within that school. That's right. Mm -hmm. So we need to have a discussion about what we're asking these guys to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. And you know. just the level of support, you know, I think is yeah. so important. Um, when I was in Oakland, um, Officer Hamilton was our SRO and I needed people to know how much I loved Officer Hamilton. I communicated that to kids to parents, um, not that he needed that, but it showed unity. Um, and it showed that as the principal, I was saying, he's got a hard job because he is here to show the kids that he's a person and, and he would be doing so many things with the kids and I just loved it. But then he also is trying to um, combat these stigmas that are out there that are really negative perceptions of police officers. Mm -hmm. And I needed parents and, and students and staff to know that is not collectively what we think about police right. um, and that we are trusting them and entrusting them. Mm -hmm. Those are the same, but then they're different. Um, and so I think that that's one of the things that TRM, the community, we can show our support um, for law enforcement. They have an extremely tough job. And I just want to know that if I ever get in trouble <laughs> with something and I'm in safety concerns or whatever, that they're responding the way that they are trained, because I want that level of protection Absolutely. for my family and for myself and, and our staff or whatever. But we also have to um, show and recognize that law enforcement is is up against a lot of stigmas, um, a lot of unsupport, um, but that in our community, it's different and we need to be different on that. Yeah, and, and we don't face some of the things that some other places uh, do right now, but we could. It could change in a heartbeat. And so we have to be prepared for that mm -hmm. and uh, not fearful of it, 
but wise about it. Mm-hmm. Sheriff, um, before we close here today, is there anything that you would like for people to know about Shawnee County Sheriff's Department or the community or any, any kind of like a, a challenge you would like to give us? <laughs> this well, is your opportunity. You can teach now. <laughs> I can teach now. Um, you know, on only, the only message I have for the people here is that, um, you know, stay vigilant, mm-hmm. um, be aware, uh, you know, the whole see something, say something, I might even add do something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a reasonable sense. Right. Yes. Um, but us working together as a community, um, these crime stats are dropping here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to keep that trend going. Yeah. And I hate to say this, we might not can save the world, but um, we could upgrade our community here and make right. Shawnee County uh, a much better place. And that's where well we said. that's where we work and live, and that's where our focus is Well at. said. Yes. The Titanic has got a hole in the side of it. At least we uh, better get along with the same people in the lifeboat that we're in. That's right. So uh, <laughs> that would be to be Shawnee County <laughs> and try to get to a safer place. Right. Sheriff uh, Brian Hill, thank you for what you do. Thank yes. you for your team. Um, we're just, uh, you know, uh, having been involved with law enforcement for many, many years, uh, I am just uh, proud to say that I live in Shawnee County yes. and uh, am part of um, a networking of a lot of people, but that would include our law enforcement community and our Shawnee County Sheriff's Department. So thank you for that and uh, thank you for everything that you do. And, and, and if there's anything that Topeka Rescue Mission can do to support your efforts and, and the larger community in regards to community safety, we want to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our community, our mission. We've talked with uh, Sheriff Brian Hill, who is Shawnee County Sheriff, and uh, got quite a story and uh, has a great passion for uh, serving our community and also for the Lord. And uh, he has his own incredible testimony how God saved and spared his life to get him in the position he's here today. So thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about the Topeka Rescue Mission, you can go to trmonline.org. That's trmonline.org. Thank you for listening to our community, our mission.